Hi, my name is Tahreem. Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Marissa. Welcome to the first episode of Speak. <laughs> this podcast is basically to enrich people uh, and educate people on issues that aren't as commonly talked about as they should be. Change is an act, a resource, and a guide to bettering not only our own lives, but our community. Today we bring open the discussion about period stigma, a common issue many individuals face monthly but are shamed into never speaking of it. Periods are a part of us, but they do not define our womanhood. Millions of people have menstrual cycles. It is not fair that societal shame inflicted upon us that discourages us from talking about it openly. Misinformation when it comes to our bodies only leads to miscommunication between us and our cycles. To negate the stigma, we welcome Marissa Sylvester, a registered health nutritionist and a certified nurse educator who specializes in health and nutrition as it pertains to menstrual cycles. Go ahead and introduce yourself. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and it's an exciting time for women's health for sure. So as the ladies um, had said, I'm a certified, a board certified holistic nutritionist and I'm also a culinary nutritionist. So my focus is in my practices surrounding women's health and hormonal health. And so I talk a lot about periods and how we should cycle track and how we eat for our hormonal cycles so that we can dispel the stigma surrounding period and hormonal health. That was very well said. So, as we know, periods differ depending on the individual, which a lot of people are unaware of. This calls for a vast range in products and deeper understanding of the menstrual cycle. Which factors are most prevalent when it comes to a regular healthy menstrual cycle? It's a great question. So we need to look at our period as being our sixth vital sign. So if we look at vital signs in healthcare, they come down to our pulse, our body temperature, our respiration rate, and even our blood pressure. And so our period is actually another vital sign. So when you look at your vital signs, if you get a fever, you take your temperature, and if it's elevated above 38 degrees Celsius, what do you do? You call your doctor, or you start to look at, okay, what are the factors that are influencing the fact that I have a fever right now? All right, so when you look at your period, if your period is longer than, you know, between 25 to 32 days, or it fluctuates more than four days on either side month to month, that's an indicator that there might be something deeper underlying why your period might not be regular, you know, from month to month. Aside from that, when you look at things like the texture of your period, the color of your period, the fact that your menstrual cycle is not a seven day period of time, it's a 28 to 32 day period of time. And so how you eat, from the fluctuation of your cycle from week to week and month to month. And the different benchmarks that you have in your period are really an indicator of your overall health. So for example, at the beginning of your period, so day one of your period bleed, your metabolism is at its slowest, your hormones are at their lowest. And so, you know, if you're doing things that aren't restorative to your body, if you're trying to beat your head against the wall, work out vigorously, or you're not eating for that slower metabolism, it's going to make you feel differently. When you transition into that five to 14 days of the, the beginning half of your cycle, or what we call your follicular phase, that's when your energy is most elevated. And that's when you're, um, you're, you're just, you're full of energy. You wanna do all the things, you wanna work out harder, 
you're actually also less hungry during the beginning phase of your cycle. So you'll be satisfied with less food, but we wanna make sure that you're eating the right things during that phase of your cycle to transition you into ovulation, right? So then your ovulation lasts about four days. That's your just the, the very, very middle of your cycle. And if you're not ovulating consistently, that is a huge indicator for overall health. Okay, so ovulation is not something that we should look at as only being important when it comes to childbearing years. It's important from the day you get your period until you enter into menopause where you're no longer ovulating and you no longer have that benchmark. And then the latter half of your cycle is actually the longest phase. So that luteal cycle is 14 days long approximately. And that's when you're going to feel like your metabolism is actually more elevated, it's working harder, and so you need more food during this time of your cycle, and you need more carbohydrate during this time of your cycle. As well, you're going to feel more tired during this cycle, and so your mood might fluctuate during that cycle as well. So just there alone, you can see that there's an incredible amount of education that needs to be communicated to women from day one that they start menstruating. Then if you look at, so we've got this cycle that we need to you know groom and understand and cultivate from start to finish but if you are having challenges during your menstrual cycle like um, post-period uh, loose stooling or you have cravings or you have pre-cyclical insomnia so you start having disruptions to your sleep during the latter half of your cycle if your cycle is shorter, if your cycle is longer, these are all things that influence your period. And every woman is different and their genes are different and their maternal gene line is different. And so we need to look at each woman individually and address her specific period concern, right? So you may have a short cycle, I may have a long cycle. You may bleed for four days, I may for six. Right? So if we don't have conversations surrounding what each individual looks like, feels like, and really have this deep understanding for our own bodies, then we're just going to dispel this perpetuation that we're not supposed to talk about this thing. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. Especially like the fact where you said like everyone has their own kind of cycle. Like you see like in television or in media, yes. everyone they see this one size fits all yes. and that's totally not how it is in real life absolutely yeah and you bring up a really good point to like you know there's so many symptoms and so many signs and we monitor them it's so important and we see as we you know get closer and closer to technology we see so many apps out there and there's some very well-known ones yes so what do you think about them do you think they're a good route to take yeah so i absolutely 100 percent feel that each woman from day one should track their cycle so kindera flow app um those are the two like really really big ones uh, but there's so many out there right now that when it comes to cycle monitoring but cycle monitoring is not just you know okay, this is when I menstruate, this is when I stop menstruation. It really does have you tap into the emotional side of what's happening during your 28 to 32 day cycle. It also asks you to deeply understand your body when it comes to things like cervical mucus. And if you understand what that looks like and how that trends, you can intimately understand when you're ovulating. And I think that brings forth, you know, the whole 
uh, conversation on birth control and whether you know that should be a blanket prescription given to every woman. It's the most widely prescribed medication for women under the age of 30. And for some, it's completely unnecessary. If you understand your body, that's not something that you 100% need to take. There are a diverse range of products that you can use to protect yourself and to protect other people when you're looking to not conceive at young ages. But ovulation is really important and the birth control literally stops that from happening. If you're not ovulating on a regular basis, then you're disrupting your endocrine system. And then when you get to a place in your life where you want to conceive, you'll have deeper challenges start to unveil themselves, which in women's health is a huge conversation right now is the rates of infertility are at one in four individuals. That's something we need to take a long, hard look at. And I think that there's a deep correlation between the types of products that we're being fed from the medical society, rather than having this empowering conversation about knowing our bodies on an intimate level. Yeah, and you know, as we talk about stigma and transition to our next set of questions, Yeah. Um, we see that there's so much that we talk about how to kind of fight the stigma, but then there's also this internalized yes. stigma we have. And so what I noticed in these apps is that it allows you to tap in, like you said, and it's wonderful because some apps also offer this community discussion thread, yes. which is so exciting for many individuals that grew up in a stigmatized household. Yes. So how, what is your approach for that? Do you think it is perhaps a dangerous territory or more so an educational outlet? No, I definitely think this is a huge piece of education that needs to have more spotlight and focus placed upon it. If you look at ancestrally what's happened with the period stigma, centuries ago women were revered for having their period. The fact that we were menstruating individuals, they used to think that we had magical powers, that we had um, you know, the ability to to project and understand what was going to happen next in life. And so we were really looked at as creatures that were revered for the way that our body functioned. And then in about middle age, right? So in that medieval times, we had this giant shift where women were looked upon when we got our period as being dirty. And that's been perpetuated through society right up to now. But I think now we're having this pendulum shift again where women are openly starting to understand, no, 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 wait. If I need to have a period, if I need to ovulate in order to procreate and keep society going, why is this something that I'm stigmatized and made to feel bad for wanting to understand and, and learn about, yeah. right? And we need to have these conversations in a more open forum because if we don't have conversations in an open forum, then the medical community won't have benchmarks to understand what proper period health looks like. Right. Yes, you can look at you know what the textbook says a period should look like, but unless we have this deep understanding of women as a culture and a society, yeah. we're never going to get beyond that space. Yeah, that outlet, like having discussion going, though it may not be a professional help, but it yes. is. It does help you connect with peers. Yes, and it is also easier sometimes to kind of be behind a screen. As awful it may sound in some cases, it is helpful in others. Sure, yeah. yeah. That actually provides a really perfect transition to my next question, uh, which is often individuals are silent into not discussing their periods and menstrual cycles openly because of the common misconception that they're uncleanly or simply because they should be kept to themselves. Um, can you provide insight into the autonomy behind menstrual cycles 
and how it differs in individuals. Yeah. So most of us, not all, but, but most of us were raised in environments where, you know, we were young women, tickety-boo, and then we got our period, and someone in our household slid us a box of pads or tampons. Maybe you got sent the instructions on how to use said products, but then you're kind of like hands dusted. Okay, you, over to you now. You just kind of figure it out for yourself. And I think that that is a huge gap in this bond that can be created between parents and children, mothers and daughters, sisters and sisters, um, because it's not something that should be swept under the carpet. This is a very natural part of being a woman and I actually think that it should be celebrated. Like I'm Agreed. the mom that would have a period party for my kids. <laughs> yes, I right? know. Have you seen that viral video? I love it. Yes, I know. And everyone's like laughing about it. Like, yes, it's a little silly, but no, it actually it gives you great insight. So women should transition into their, you know, adolescent years when they start to become a woman with these signs, feeling like this is a time for them to be empowered. They should feel empowered to use their voice. They should be empowered to understand their body instead of feeling like, oh, this is something that I need to hide. You know, even with partners, I think that it's incredibly important that women speak to their partners about how they feel throughout their menstrual cycle because it gives them incredible insight into how to better support them as a spouse. Yes. Right? So um, a lot of times people just feel like, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about that. It's going to make people uncomfortable. The best way to dispel discomfort is to bring more of that conversation to the foreground. 100% and bond is just, it's a great, it's a great yes. part of this experience. Some of us unfortunately don't get to experience it, but we know that this is a common, I think this is common pop culture and I am very fortunate enough to experience it as well, but there's a sisterhood yes. surrounding menstruation. Yes. Um, you walk into a bathroom and you're like, oh no, I need a pad. There's nothing, I don't have anything. I don't, there's something in the bathroom. You, a stranger. Oh yeah, for sure. I have this many. Right. Take as many as you'd like. That's for right. sure. Like it's so, it's so, so comforting. Absolutely. And I think that's that's part of it too. As a community of women, we can band together. And you bring, you kind of segue into this other piece that I think is very important. You know, not every there's such a vast array of products out there right now, and products that will help you better understand your period. So, for example. You know, we've got classic pads, tampons. Those are the two main products that most people know about. But the menstrual cup is huge for women's health. And I think this is a product that I empower a lot of my clients and my community to at least consider. Some of the two, the two common ones are the Diva Cup. The Diva Cup kind of everybody has heard about at some point. But I really like the Nixit. It's softer, it's more malleable, it fits different body shapes. It's not suction based. Mm -hmm. So when you use products to support menstruation, not only are you creating confidence in being able to go out and carry out your regular lifestyle, but you're also getting a window and an insight into what your period looks like, right? So menstrual cups will help you understand what color your period is, whether it has clots in it, if it's sinewy, if it's watery, if it all of those things they're very very important how heavy it is right um 
And that's the other thing that I think doesn't get talked about is how often do you change your menstrual products? You shouldn't have to change a pad, a tampon, or um, transition your menstrual cup more than six times a day. If you are, that's telling you that your period is too heavy and you need to talk to a registered health professional about why that's happening. Maybe you're bleeding for only two days and that's too short, right? So the length of your cycle, the quality of your period, it really does tell you a whole lot about how you're functioning as an individual. And so the sisterhood created around that, if we talk more about it, then you're not going to feel like, oh, well, this happens to me, but I don't know if that happens to you because we're just allowed to have these rolling conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think this, we're very lucky to be to be given that indicator. And I think it's time that we get educated about it and make use of it, for sure. Um, well, that was kind of all the questions that I had today, but I just really want to thank you for joining us and kind of enlightening us on this topic because we know our own shared experiences and we know our own individual ones, but it's so much grander than that. And I feel like everyone was kind of... not everyone but maybe some people feel alone in their own cycle and to kind of embrace that this is there's a diversity here and it's still a unity that's really i think is so important i'm so happy that you were able to join us today and enlighten enlighten us on that thank you for having me i think um as a nutritionist you know there's so many things that i focus on and one of them being you know how you can eat for your menstrual cycle so you know if you want to follow me on instagram at at marissa celeste wellness um, or hit me up on my on my email or on my website www.marissasylvesterwellness.com. Um, you'll see in January that I'm bringing forward a platform on women's health to help educate women on how to eat for their for their cycles, how to track their cycles, how to understand their bodies, and just to come together as a community of women in uh, in the greater Toronto area. That's I'm definitely checking that out. Yeah, <laughs> for real, no, me too. I think, if anything, this conversation has been even more empowering. Um, like to be kind of given this outlet to discuss. I don't normally have the opportunity to do so, at least not in the sense that we are today. Yes. So it's very, very important and very exciting time for for women's health, as we said.